Hello and welcome to Freelance Party Broadcast. You're listening to the podcast of Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers. I'm Jess and today I'm joined by my colleague Ella Creamer. Hi, thanks Jess. It's my first one so I'm really excited. Oh great, you'll be fine. Really excited that you're here to do the podcast with me today. (laughs) Before we get started, just a reminder that we are recording from our homes so the sound may not be as good as you're used to but we're doing everything we can to keep bringing you this podcast. We're excited today to be joined by Louise Goss, editor of The Homeworker magazine, a magazine that looks to improve the way we work. Welcome, Louise. Hello, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So first, could you tell us a bit about yourself and why you set up your magazine, The Homeworker? So my background is in journalism. I actually started out in broadcasting and then moved over into print, really more after I had children and it just became a lot easier to be working from home and not going into newsrooms every day with with young children and babies. And then the idea of the homeworker really came about because I'd been working from home for almost a decade at the time. And I could just see a bit of a gap, really, in terms of resources and support for people who did work from home. And I could also see it as a kind of a growing section of the working population. Obviously, this was before coronavirus came along, but it was something that I felt I I had experienced it and the sort of the isolation and the loneliness that came with it. And I really wanted to build a sort of community around it and provide support and resources for people to sort of help with the challenges as long as as well as celebrating some of the perks and advantages and benefits that you get from working from home. So it was a bit of a lifestyle um, magazine. It's quite a tricky one to put into any specific genre because it sort of fuses business, lifestyle, well-being and kind of creates quite a holistic view of working from home. So when did you launch the magazine? So I launched it in the first issue came out in January 2019, so about 18 months ago. Wow and this last kind of six, seven months has just been crazy for people working from home. It's like you've got into the mainstream. Yes, it's really strange, actually. So I suppose I consider myself quite a niche (laughs) area when it came to magazines. And in some ways I still do. um, But yes, the the section, that niche has grown (laughs) um, massively in the last uh, last few months. And I certainly saw it in terms of, you know, just people visiting the website and that sort of thing, you know, that um, rose dramatically and there was a lot more interest in it. So yes, it's been an interesting and very busy time over the last few months. So what aspects of working from home does the magazine cover? I'm kind of interested in like the specifics, especially at the moment during COVID. Yes. So I think, as I mentioned, it takes quite a holistic view of working from home. So I tend to have different sections within the magazine. So it looks at not just sort of business and, and productivity, but also your well-being, your mindset communication, you know, looking at habits and routines, but also your workspace as well and your work environment when you're working from home. So I saw that when I was doing it myself, how integrated work and life becomes when you're based at home. So I really wanted to reflect that within the magazine. So it looks at all of these different elements that kind of come together to help you successfully work from home. So yeah, there are lots of these different sections. Okay, great. Today, we're talking about workspaces. Why do you think setting up a workspace in the right way is so important? So I think your workspace and the environment in which you work has such a big impact on 
well, so many areas, but how you perform, how you feel, um, you know, your mood, and that obviously impacts on your work and your productivity as well. So I think it really does play quite an important role in how well you can work and and also in your health and, and overall happiness. So I think setting up a workspace in the right way, it kind of forms a really good foundation for how you get on and 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 can work so if you know if you're working more comfortably and if you feel good in the space that you're working in and you're more organized in that space then you're going to be a bit more creative you're going to be a bit more productive and you're going to be actually healthier as a result as well obviously our podcast is aimed at freelancers and many freelancers are, are more used to working from home maybe they've been working from home for years and this is nothing new but some freelancers who were in-house who are now work from home this is a new crazy time for them and it's quite confusing. I wondered what are the main things that freelancers should consider when setting up a workspace? It's quite interesting because I see it as almost being there as sort of two separate things to look at when you're setting up a workspace because I think there's both the sort of the practical side of setting up a workspace and also the emotional side which is sometimes the part that we ignore a little bit or forget about because obviously where you work and what you're surrounded by can really impact on sort of how you feel and that also impacts on how you work and how you're, how productive you are so I mean in just in terms of the practical stuff I think you know looking at your space looking at you know the space that you've got and how you can organize that and make you know the most of the space that you've got it's looking at not just you know the basic desk and chair which is obviously important but looking at the storage that you've got and you know the, the clutter and how you can organize that space looking at the comfort factor which is really important so the ergonomics of you know how you're working light is really important ventilation all those sorts of things that actually just improve your health and well-being as well and then of course just um the resources that you've got available in your space and you know your tech the technology the wi-fi the things that are important but again you know some of us when you're working from home particularly and you don't have the benefits of the office and all the resources that come with that so it's looking at you know how to improve connectivity and, and yeah looking at your sort of overall environment and what you've got around you as well and that sort of brings me on to the sort of the emotional aspect you know how do you want to feel in that space and I think that's really important as well and that part of that can be affected by sort of organization and maybe the clutter around you because I do you think that if you're in a cluttered space that can lead to a cluttered mind and prove quite distracting at times and, and prevent you from focusing very well but you know you know how do you want to feel in that space is it an inspiring space or just an environment that actually makes you feel a bit more stressed and anxious and so I think you can tweak a few things that can help in all those areas so yes it is important but there are quite a few things to consider it's not just do I have a desk? Do I have a chair? It's actually how does the whole, how does it all come together to create a space that works for you and allows you to work in the most sort of productive way possible? I know a cluttered workspace is something that me and probably quite a lot of people struggle with. So how do you suggest that freelancers keep their desks tidy and organised? So I think to keep your space as organised as possible, and there are a couple of things. Again, I mean, looking at the storage that you've got and sort of how you almost come up with your own little system for for removing clutter or preventing clutter from coming in the first place. I actually interviewed a sort of a professional organiser for one of the issues of the magazine. And, you know, she said that one rule that she had was you only touch a document once. And I think that's a really good rule because actually it means that you deal with that piece of paper 
and then you don't have to deal with it again. So whether you're filing it, binning it, giving it to somebody else to deal with, you know, you, you sort of have, if you have a little rules like that, then that can really help. And I think having space for specific things, so you know where everything is. So whether it's receipts or whether it's invoices or, or things. And I think clutter, paper clutter, perhaps it's still um, present in our, in our life very much at the moment, but I think digital clutter is almost just as much of a problem. So we also need to think about how we sort of organizing and filing, you know, all our digital files and that sort of thing on our computers. And I think the other thing is when we're actually working to be quite disciplined around only having stuff on our desk that we're working on. For me, it's sort of like the equivalent of having all the tabs open on your browser and it can be really distracting if you've got lots of other things open and you're trying to just focus on one thing. So I think if you've got piles of work or things that aren't related to what you're focusing on in that moment around you, then they can be quite distracting and pull you away from work. So I think just making sure that you only have what you need out. And this is obviously really important if you just have a small workspace as well, which I know a lot of people do when you're at home. You don't always have your own massive office or, you know, you're not lucky enough to have that. So, yeah, I think making sure you've got just what you need out. And another thing that we've talked about in the magazine before is actually desk zoning. So, you know, you have your initial zone, which is just what you have around you within reach, what you might need just in the moment, whether it's the notebook you're working on, your laptop, maybe a glass of water and some stationery that you need. And then the sort of the zones move gradually outwards. So the things that you might not need all the time, but just now and again, you might just have in a drawer next to you, you might have shelves up on the wall with the things that you rarely look at. Maybe if every few months you need to get them down and you put those in files up out of the way so I think having little systems in place like that as well can be really helpful. For those of us who don't have a a dedicated workspace and are working off our kitchen tables some people are working from their beds you know for prolonged periods of time you know we're kind of what six seven months in now to this what can they do to keep their workspace organized? I think having a dedicated space is really important it's actually something that I do talk about quite a bit because it just helps with the separation as well between work life and home life but you know if you don't have your own separate office and I have to say I didn't for quite a long time and we've recently moved house and one of the criteria I had was I needed a separate home office but before that I did find myself often working at the kitchen table but I also created a little work zone in the corner of my living room and you know I didn't have space for a big desk but I got like just a console table to work from. But the important thing was not so much how big the space was, but how defined it was. And it was my space. So, you know, just making sure that the space that you have is yours and not sort of encroaching too much on the rest of the living space. Because I think one consideration we need to have is that we are now working where other people are living. And those people don't want to feel like they're working in an office all the time either. So keeping that workspace as confined or as defined as possible is really important. And if you've got a small space, there are things that you can do just to sort of keep it yours, keep it as defined as possible. So as I say, I used um, a small console table. So if you don't have space for a big desk, there are little ways you can make a workstation. Um, Some people might have a folding desk just on a wall. You might decide that you're just going to use a dressing table or something in your bedroom and and sort of make it into a workspace. But wherever that space is, I think keeping your work to that area is really important. 
you almost need, and I used this when I was moving house, a sort of a portable office. You know, if you are finding you're having to move about a bit, you need a bag almost that is contains all your essentials and you can, and it's easily portable. So wherever you're working in the house, I mean, you mentioned people working in the bedroom and that's one thing I'd say, please try not to work from the bedroom if you can, because it's, first of all, just from an ergonomic point of view, it's really bad for you, but also it just doesn't help you switch off. So at night when you're going to bed, you know, you want that space to be for sleep and not associated with work. So I would say, you know, even if you don't have a separate office, just try to think of areas within your home that you can work and that you're going to allow work to go, but try not to take it into spaces that are perhaps going to be more for relaxation and sleep and that sort of thing. That's a really good point about ergonomics. I think it's something we're hearing a lot about at the moment and people would be really interested in hearing more about from you. So what do you think is the best way to keep comfortable when working from home? And is there any sort of special equipment that you'd recommend to use? Yeah, I think the ergonomics is a very important consideration just because now that a lot of us are doing this long term from home and we may not have occupational health coming around and being able to assess our work setup Um, we need to be able to take responsibility for it ourselves and you know just for long-term comfort so they're not working in pain I think in the short term you can get away with a less than ideal setup but after a while you notice the shoulder pains and you know the back and the neck and that sort of thing so for me if you don't have all the ideal ergonomic furniture and obviously you can spend a fortune on on doing that and some things are worth investing in Um, but the other thing that's really important is to just think about your movement as well so if you're not able to work um, or don't have all the you know the kit and all the gear just make sure that you're taking regular breaks and you're moving frequently because that in itself just helps you to sort of stretch out and prevent some of the, um, the pain and things I personally like to use um, it's called a sit stand platform so it's a bit like a standing desk but it's actually um, one that you can have that rests on top of your ordinary desk so that you can stay seated as normal but then you can raise the platform and, and stand and just for me that variety of movement helps me not to just sit staying hunched over the, the laptop all the time it also means I get to move about a little bit in my working day which is really important and just gives you a bit of different perspective as well while you're working sometimes just standing up just shifts your energy a bit which can be really helpful so yes I mean for me if you don't want to go and buy a whole separate standing desk this was a really good sort of in between where you can still keep it on top of your ordinary desk um, but you can raise and lower it as you as you want as you need so I think something like that can be a really good investment I used one from Posturite and I find it really useful Um, I think other things to be aware of are even just your desk setups, you know, where is your phone? Like, are you having to reach quite far to get that? Looking at the mouse that you're using, the keyboard, again, you know, some people kind of find they get injuries just from sort of overstretching using keyboards and that sort of thing. So keeping things comfortable is really important. I would say probably apart from that desk I mentioned, just investing in a good chair is really important. So an ergonomic chair, and you can get some really good ones now on the market that aren't an absolute fortune. And, you know, if you don't have proper lumbar support, just rolling up a small towel at the base of your back can be helpful. But it's all about sort of keeping your posture as correct as possible. And people talk about those sort of 90 degree angles. So, you know, making sure that you're 
everything sort of at 90 degrees to each other, your hips and your knees. And, you know, if you need to put a little foot rest on the floor, then that can work as well to sort of keep you all kind of your posture correct. And you don't even need to go and spend a fortune on one of those. You could put a few books under your feet or something if that was what you needed to do. But there are ways of doing it without having to go out and spend a fortune. But if you are going to invest in some ergonomic things, I would recommend a good chair a sit stand platform I find really useful so something like that would be good as well and or a laptop stand just so your eye line is at a good level when you're typing on a laptop if you use a laptop one thing that um I see you know people are saying that they're they're doing a lot is instead of going for their morning commute they go for a morning walk before they start work do you think that's important should we be trying to you know force ourselves to get out more because I I know I'm dreadful at this I'll just work and then, you know, get to five o'clock and I haven't even opened a window. I've just been in like a stuffy room. How important is that? I think it's really important. It's definitely something that I started recommending quite early on in terms of um, not only does it help break up your day and sort of help you to shift between sort of home life, work mode, um, that, that sort of morning commute gets you out. But getting out into fresh air, getting daylight into your eyes, All those sorts of things actually just help you generally with your circadian rhythm so that you're actually going to then probably get better sleep later at night. Uh, It gives you fresh air. We all know the benefits of fresh air. Um, But all of that sort of stuff just is really important in terms of your overall well-being as well as just helping you get going first thing in the morning. And I think, you know, it gets a bit of exercise first thing in the morning again, helps to get the blood flowing as well. And that's also really important and can be really helpful. So I do recommend all that sort of thing. I think equally, and I'm also, you know, I can be terrible at not getting up enough and taking regular breaks because I think that we quite often have a tendency, particularly if we're working to a deadline, you know, we need to just plow through and get things done. But when we do make the effort to take a break and get outside, we notice the difference. We don't sort of, we almost don't realise how important it is until we stop and actually do it and and what a difference it can make. Some people find it useful to set a little alarm so that you only maybe work for an hour and then there's a little alarm that just almost reminds you, okay, let's get up and have a stretch or have a break or get outside. And it doesn't need to be a long break. It could be, you know, just 10 minutes, but that can make all the difference. And I think that morning commute is quite a good idea if you can do it just to help you separate work and home and when you come back in through the door that's almost like you arriving at work and equally people can find it useful to do the same at the end of the day as well because I think quite often switching off is harder to do than getting started so I think you know taking that little commute or little walk around the block at the end of your working day can be really useful as well because again it just helps you to shift back into okay now I'm home and now I'm stopping. I think boundaries is something that's really interesting to consider, especially at the moment, because a lot of people are working from home with their families there as well. So how would you recommend setting boundaries of family and children and preventing those interruptions from working from home? Yeah, it's a very, again, a very common um, query or complaint that some people often have. Um, it is difficult. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, there's no sort of silver bullet here that's going to make it suddenly really easy. It's a constant conversation, actually. And conversation is the, the important word there, because it is about communicating with people who you live with, including children. We sometimes underestimate how much children do understand and can take on board. So, you know, I have 
two young children. I started working from home when they were both very young, you know, like one was a baby. And now they're they're a little bit older, but, you know, even now I've still got a preschooler at home. So it's quite important to talk to them regularly, partners and children or whoever you live with if it's housemates, to set those boundaries, to let them know your working hours. That's important, first of all, you know, when you're available and when you're not. And setting clear expectations as well about, you know, when you're going to be there for them and when you're not going to be around. And I think the other thing that's really important to communicate is actually what you do and the nature of your work. Sometimes we forget to actually let people know what it is we're doing because we could be just dashing off a few emails, in which case a quick interruption might be fine. But if we're about to go and start on something really focused that's like a big proposal or a pitch or a piece of work that has a deadline in a few hours, you know, you know you're going to have to try and focus. So I think, again, letting people know, you know, for the next two hours, I cannot be interrupted. It's just really important to communicate really clearly what it is that's going on. And I think with children, yes, it's difficult. They, they do need you around. I think um, if you can ask for help at any point, then that's really important. It's obviously difficult. I found it really hard during lockdown when we couldn't have any childcare or, you know, grandparents weren't around to help at all. That became me having to make compromises and look at skewing my workday a little bit more. So I tended to work a bit later, but I also got up a little bit earlier so that I could at least get an hour or so done before the children woke up. Some people find putting a sign on the door is, is useful um, and it sounds quite simple, but actually can work really well. And obviously you do need children at a reading age, but even if they're not, you know, if they know that this sign is on the door, that means mummy or daddy is working. And sometimes that can be quite helpful. You can almost turn it into a bit of a game, you know, is the sign on the door or not? You know, okay, no, I don't. And, you know, let them know who they can go to if they need something. Obviously, if you're the only adults in the house and they need something, then clearly you, you might get interruptions. I do think that we are becoming a little bit more accepting and accommodating of it, particularly because we've just had lockdown. And I think people are are used to having children perhaps come in and interrupt Zoom calls and that sort of thing. I know I've had it myself and I think it's almost a bit more of what we're used to now in life and, and, and what we're um, accepting of. And I think also just making sure that if you've, um, again, this is talking more around the children thing, but making sure that they have, you know, their own little space, that they have got things and activities to do. And, you know, the more that you can provide for them, then, you know, the less pestering you're going to get and equally again that comes down to the communication if there's uncertainty there and they don't know when mummy is next going to be available for them or when um, they can have a snack and that sort of thing if they know when those times are coming and what those um, parameters are then again they're less likely to keep pestering because they they know what's coming and a lot of it just comes down to communication clear effective constant <laughs> communication and a two-way communication as well you know make sure you're listening to their needs as well so that everybody feels heard and everybody well, works together to help each other really I'm interested in what you're saying about you know it's becoming more accepted that kids might interrupt zoom calls and stuff and you know Ipsa has done research into how many women go into freelancing after having children and I wonder if now it's going to be easier for parents who want to go into freelancing because they know that they can work from home or that it's more accepted that they have kids at home. I don't know. I just um, I, I wonder if we'll see kind of like a, a spike or something in people choosing to go freelance now with kids. 
Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I don't know whether it will be just going freelance. I think it's just become easier generally now because so many more of us are working from home. So whether it's going freelance or just staying as an employee, if, if that's what you're doing, because, you know, people know that it's actually okay now because, you know, my boss isn't going to be annoyed if, you know, I have a two-year-old running around because we sort of, as I say, we're all kind of accommodating that a little bit more. But you're right, I think, uh, and it's obviously is particularly around um, it's more going to relate to women I think but at the moment um, but actually for, for everyone like parents generally I think this whole situation is actually going to allow parents generally to do this better and allow dads to have more time with their children and therefore perhaps we might see more women decide that actually yes they can go um, back and have a have a career because they can work from home and it's a little bit more flexible now. Um, and equally, we're going to be able to see dads go, well, actually, maybe I can take some more time and work from home and be around for my children more. So I think it's going to work both ways. But yes, I mean, certainly, I think we're seeing that we've got the technology around to enable us to do it. I think the last few months has shown that it is possible, difficult, but possible even with children. And because people are a little bit more accepting and perhaps make a few more allowances for it, that it will perhaps just take the pressure that was on us in terms of, oh, I can't have my children around. I have to find a few hours in the day when, you know, I'm not going to be interrupted. I think suddenly that particular stress has perhaps eased slightly. We now have some questions sent in from freelancers. So the first one is from James and he asks, I always sit down with the intention of getting good work done, but I lose focus too easily. How can I set up my workspace to avoid distractions? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I think the, the focus um, and the, the being distracted, again, can be quite a common issue when you work from home because you are not in a necessarily a dedicated work environment. So you're going to have a lot of other things around you. So I think it's really important to try and to minimize the amount of sort of home life <laughs> distractions around you so you know for instance for me you know I have young children at home and they might bring me pictures that they've drawn or I might suddenly find my daughter's hair clips on the desk if I can get rid of that sort of thing when I'm working it just helps to keep me more focused so I'm not thinking about you know things that are going on around me that aren't related to work I think that so Removing sort of just general household reminders can be helpful, you know, and if you're working in the kitchen, for instance, and you have bills or other things around, you know, pinned to the fridge and that sort of thing, you know, even just make the effort to just take those down or turn them around or do some simple little hacks like that can sometimes help. Headphones are really useful, um, whether it's <laughs> whether it's to block out the noise and peripheral noise around you from the rest of the house or to perhaps play music I find some people find music ambient sound or just instrumental music can really help them to focus some people don't you need to sort of work out what works for you but I think the um, sometimes having headphones on where you're just listening to something that can just like help to keep you focused again because you're not going to be distracted by other noises you know washing machines neighbors you know that sort of thing um, and then as I mentioned before, with the organization and the clutter, you know, just keeping on your desk what it is that you're working on so that you're not going to 
be tempted to go and reach into that pile or catch something else might catch your eye to go, oh, I just need to finish that or I just need to do that. So, you know, and, and giving yourself time blocks are really useful as well. So, you know, making sure that, you know, in your when you're scheduling your day, making sure that, you know, in that hour you've blocked out time to do this and you know then in your mind like this is what I'm working on in this hour and if it helps you know to keep that list and keep that schedule in your line of sight keep it next to you on the desk that can be helpful too because it just just serves as a bit of a reminder something to refer to it's like reminds you what you're actually meant to be working on and then you can you know refocus again so you know keeping it clean clutter free just centered on what you're working on as possible. That's a really good answer. Um, Definitely something for us all to take in, whether we're freelancers or not. Our next question comes from Chantel, who says, I have a very small workspace because I work from my childhood bedroom. How do I make the most out of it? Yeah, I think having a small workspace, you know, we're not all going to have the luxury of a large space. I think, first of all, in a small space, the important thing actually is, is to make it yours, first of all. So really make sure that just because you're in a small space doesn't mean it needs to be a space that makes you feel cramped or uncomfortable. Like you can, you know, brighten it up, make it a place that still feels really pleasurable to work from. You can do that just with colours and things like that, you know, however you might want to decorate. But, you know, think about um, maximising the space that you've got. So looking at the furniture, you know, we don't... you you might find it brilliant to have um, a really huge desk, but if that takes up all the space, you haven't got any storage space, then that's a problem. So, you know, look at, you know, I don't know if you know anybody handy, but sometimes, you know, you can get someone to just create a platform, like a wooden desk platform almost, where you can just, you know, slot it into a space that suits the room that gives you extra space and that that doesn't have to be expensive either. And then again, looking at storage, make the most of walls, you know, so nothing you haven't got, you're not using up all the floor space as well. You know, shelving units, you can get really nice cupboards and things. And, you know, storage doesn't have to be boring or horrible either. You know, you can make it pretty if that's what you want and use baskets and that sort of thing. So it's really looking at maximizing what you've got. So making the most of, you know, walls and window ledges. And if you can, um, put things sort of up (laughs) rather than just have it all, you know, on the floor, which can actually make things feel cluttered, you know, making the most of it that way. And again, just looking at the size of your desk and keeping things compact, but comfortable. Great. Lots of ideas there. So Samantha asks, I'm a creative freelancer. How can I make my workspace more inspiring? You know, one of the beauties I think of working from home is that you get to create your own workspace and that you're not at the mercy of whatever freelance or work environment that you you might be used to, you know, the striplet office with, you know, no personality. So you can create a space that works for you. And I think one of the sort of first things to look at is, okay, how do I want to feel in this space? And if I want to feel inspired, ask yourself what it is that inspires you. Is Are there certain quotes or certain images or colours that are really helpful and make you help get your creative juices flowing? Because, you know, make sure that that is on your wall or around you and in, in your line of sight, because that in the first instance can help trigger more creativity and um, again music can be really helpful for people you've got the option when you work from home to play music if that helps you then you know you've got those options as well you know vision boards people talk about creating vision boards but I think you can make a vision board for everything it doesn't have to be life goals it could just be okay I want to make um, 
a creative a creativity vision board and I'm going to put loads of images and things that inspire me on this and I'm going to put that on my wall so that I've got that in front of me some people find having their they, people talk about that their why you know their purpose their reason for doing what they're doing and sometimes having a reminder of that in your workspace can really help you as well to help you stay motivated and just keep you focused on, on what you're doing so I think when it comes to feeling inspired it's kind of asking yourself what is it that inspires you and then putting that into your workspace it might be a particular fragrance from a candle you know those sorts of things you've got the option to get creative and and make your space work for you so I think there's lots of little things that you can put up around your room equally think about things that actually drag you down and don't help um you know and then make sure that those are taken out of your space now, some people like having books around them. Some of those can be really inspiring, but there might be some that are just there because they've always been there. And there might be certain words on those books or certain titles that actually remind you of something you don't want to be reminded of or, you know, that they, they aren't helpful or conducive to working well. So, you know, just have a look around what you've got and take a sort of inventory of like what is really, you know, ticking the right boxes here and what's actually perhaps bringing me down and stifling my creativity. So, and then take those out and then just put things in that you love. And in the words of Marie Kondo, that spark joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I feel like that Marie Kondo book was just, everyone went crazy for it, didn't they? It was just brilliant a few years ago. You know, you, if you sat down for too long in my house, you were kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really interesting podcast. So for people who are listening and want to find out more about what you do in the homework, what can they find on your website? Yes, if they go to the website, which is thehomeworker.com, there are quite a lot of free resources there. So obviously um, you can buy the magazine and subscribe to the magazine there, but we also have a blog with a few sort of articles um, and ideas we also have a free guide that offers a few sort of top tips on how to successfully work from home and you can download that for free again from the website as well unfortunately that's all we have time for this episode you'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on freelance corner thanks for listening to freelance party broadcast join freelance corner the online platform for uk's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk you can subscribe to this podcast on the apple podcast app spotify or on any other podcast platform please like share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time we hope our listeners stay safe at home thanks so much for joining us louise thanks very much bye